right. Well, here we go. Another episode of the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. Hey, this is Pastor Quint, and uh, I'm going to do something kind of different today. This is something that I, um, I don't know, I just kind of had it on my my mind and my heart, and I'm preparing to uh, speak at chapel here at the school uh, where I work. I work at Erie First Assembly in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we have a Christian school, Erie First Christian Academy, and I was invited in to speak at um, at chapel here next week. And so as I was preparing for that and just kind of processing through some things, I thought this would be a good um, conversation. I mean, it's just me here today. It's not really a conversation with anyone else, but just a subject matter that I have spent a lot of time on uh, in my life, in my my walk with Christ. And then as a pastor, it's kind of been um, really something that I've hit on often, talked about maybe a little bit on previous podcasts, but I wanted to kind of really zoom in on it um, today. And so I'm just going to kind of share really a lot of the content that I'll be talking about next week at chapel. Um, Actually, by the time this airs uh, on my channel, I might have already spoken at that chapel. But regardless, um, I... The, the topic I want to get into today and discuss is the conversation um, around each and every one of us having a wound, okay? And um, honestly, so much of this for me, um, I have processed through the teachings from John Eldridge, from Ransomed Heart, or I guess now Wild at Heart Ministries um, in Colorado Springs. He has a great podcast, the Wild at Heart podcast. His sons have a great podcast called And Sons uh, Magazine is is where that comes from. Um, but anyways, uh, so, so just want to shine the light on them because if this is something that really uh, piques your interest or gets you thinking about things that you have encountered in your life, um, you know, they would be a great resource. And for me, so much of... Um, of what I have learned about this topic has come from them. In fact, I was first introduced to it in the book Wild at Heart, which I read probably 15 years ago now, um, which was kind of the breakout book that just put John Eldridge on the map, just blew up. It still sells hundreds of thousands of copies. I mean, it is just, it is a timeless, um, yeah, I don't know. It is it is just a book that speaks to the heart of men uh, still today. I think it's been out 20 years. And um, really, it just it, it zones in on the fact that men are geared, overwhelmingly men are geared to have, they want a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. And he really gets into how those three things are woven into the heart of every single man. You can fight it, you can disagree with it, but I think if you read the book, you will see... Uh, and if you analyze your life, you will see that these are very, very important things that God has wired into each and every one of us. And so what he goes after in uh, that book and that he uh, explains that has been really good for me um, to to know and to kind of carry with me through adulthood is the fact that we have all been wounded, um, usually when we're younger, when we're kids, um, in some way, shape or form. And from that wound we make critical agreements and then we make decisions and actions in our life based on those agreements. And so um, I think 
I'll just speak personally for me, this has been absolutely vital information and, uh, and stuff that I don't think it's talked about enough or gets addressed enough, but I wanted to take just a few minutes and shine a light on it. So let me back up and tell you how I ended up deciding that this would be um, some, some good content for um, this chapel discussion with a bunch of high schoolers. Um, so Aaron and I, my wife, Aaron and I chose this year in light of COVID-19, the pandemic, quarantine, all the buzzwords uh, from, from 2020, we chose to homeschool our kids uh, this year. And, and really what that means is we had a kindergartner uh, whose kindergarten was ended abruptly at the end of March, middle of March last year, and then he never went back. And so he was going to be a first grader this year. He's our oldest. He's a very, very social child. It was not an easy decision. But um, he has done well. Aaron has done amazing as a homeschool mom, and uh, she has a teaching degree, so it really is right up her alley. Not an easy task with five kids under six at home, but uh, it is going really, for the most part, very well. And so anyways, we chose to homeschool. That's where we're at. Um, And, you know, because our church is still meeting and we were able to offer kids services here at Erie First... Um, my son, who, you know, is very social, like I mentioned, um, he really hung a lot of hope and a lot of weight on, uh, Sunday morning with his friends, Erie First Kids, you know, the church service and everything that he, that he got to do with his friends. Cause that was really his moment for social interaction with kids he's known since preschool. And so it was kind of like, he put a lot of hope and a lot of stock into that. And, you know, Kind of a side note on that, I think what we tend to do as human beings, Hebrews tells us that hope, it says we have this hope as the anchor for the soul. And that hope that it is speaking of is the hope of salvation. But I think what we tend to do as human beings is we place our hope in lesser anchors. And so oftentimes what we will do is we will... um, build up a lot of hope around uh, a motorcycle trip. I'll just continue to pick on myself. Um, Or we'll put a lot of hope in uh, a vacation. We'll put a lot of our hope for relief and for restoration in uh, maybe a date night with our spouse. We'll put, and these are all very healthy things and good things. And God has given us these gifts. So it's not um, a negative at all on the things, but if we are, if we have them as a lesser anchor that we are anchoring our soul to, we are bound to get um, get hurt along the way. And so, back to my story about my son. Um, he and I mean he's six, so how could he know? You know, this is part of the unfortunate reality. Is a lot of this is part of the brokenness of the human condition. So I can parent and pastor and pray as much as I want against these things for my son, but uh, we're all still born into this broken world and exposed to that brokenness. And being exposed to brokenness brings hurt, period. That's just how it is. So we are very fortunate that by God's grace, he's given us the ability to... uh, to live through that and to uh, find grace in the brokenness, but we still are exposed to that brokenness. So my son uh, had placed so much uh, hope and joy and excitement on a particular Sunday morning, seeing his friends, 
uh, at church. And so, uh, and this is where the the idea and the conversation around the wound really came from, because I saw as a dad, probably for the first time as a dad, I saw how as good a dad as I think I am, as great a dad as I try to be, um, and even at just the young and innocent age of six, I saw the opportunity for what could be. I don't think it, I don't think the story I'm about to tell you was that traumatic, but uh, it still opened up my eyes to the opportunity for. Um, a wound in your child. And, and so hopefully as I'm sharing this, maybe it gives you something to process if you're a parent looking at your kids, but then also you can look back on your own life and look at different things you've experienced. So my son comes into kids' church, placing all his hopes and dreams and joy on this interaction with uh, his friends that he does not get to see nearly as much as he wants to. And anyways, 30 minutes into the service, uh, I come off the stage from leading worship and I walk by the kids' chapel and I see that he and a couple of his friends are still just kind of playing musical chairs and messing around and not really paying attention at all to what the, the teachers and the leaders are trying to get them to do. And so finally, at about the 35-minute mark, one of the leaders steps up and says, why don't we separate you three? Let's get a little distance. And I was not looking uh, through the window at what happened, but the next time I turned around to check on him and look, he was crying, uh, just convulsing almost in tears. Like, I really don't know that I have seen him this upset, maybe ever. Like, he was just so distraught. And so, because I'm a pastor here, because I can, you know, I swooped in, I, I, I entered kids' church, grabbed him, and took him out. Um, and just said, hey, what is going on, man? What is wrong? And, you know, I said, why are we here today? Why do we come to church? And he's like, we're here for Jesus. And I said, okay, well, what, what are you doing? Like, what, what is so upset? And finally, he looked at me and he just said, dad, and he's crying. You know, it's just the saddest thing ever. He's crying and he says, dad, we homeschool now. We homeschool now and I just never get to see my friends. And this is my one shot to see my friends. And I thought, man, like, you know, just talk about a gut punch. You, you see your six-year-old who's putting all his hopes and seeing his friends. And now he, he's come to this realization that I get one hour a week with my friends and we were screwing around so much that that one hour just ended early. And now I don't even get to do that. And so, you know, it is, um, that was really hard. We, I got him back down to planet earth and brought him back into kids church and he kind of, you know, found his way and they made it to the end of the day, but he was just kind of a mess. The rest of the day wasn't real happy, you know, was pretty upset. And then honestly, and this is where the wound followed by the agreements entered in, uh, I guess to my awareness. And again, I'm not speaking that this is definitely what has happened to my six year old. I think he's doing great. And I think everything, you know, will work out, but it's really just this awareness of where these things come from that's so important. Usually, prior to this event, somewhere around Tuesday or Wednesday every week, he would ask my wife, how many days till church? How many days till Sunday? And she would tell him five days, four days, three days, and he would start the countdown and he would just build it up and build it up, all this hope and all this excitement and all of this... Um, yeah, just all, all of this hype around his Sunday morning with his friends. And then he had this super negative experience where he was so upset and felt like he was removed from his friends and, you know, his, his joy was robbed from him. And um, he didn't ask about it that whole week. 
Tuesday came, Wednesday came, Thursday came, and he never asked how many days till Sunday. And that is when all of this just came flooding back. You know, I, I had learned this information about our wound and our agreements and how important they are. And I had filtered through and tried to process them in my life. And I've done a lot of that. But now to observe it in the life of my son was just so eye-opening. And so let me just um, kind of present to you what, I, what it is I'm trying to say here. Essentially, um, the, the struggle that my son was faced with in that moment, the, the opportunity for a critical agreement that is not from God in that moment would be something like this. Man, I put so much hope in that one hour and it just didn't even, it, it just all fell apart. I'm not even going to hope for fun with friends anymore. It just hurts too much. I'm not even going to try to interact with my friends like I usually do every week because it's only one hour and who really cares? And man, it just hurts too much to put myself out there. Or I don't, are they even my friends? I'm over here crying and they're just moving on. Like, what's the big deal? This, and, and so again, I'm not speaking any of this over my son and I don't think that it was, it ended up being that bad. But what I saw as a dad, what I saw was this potential for a very, very social kid to be wounded so much on social interaction that he could have been, you know, I think the enemy can bring in those moments uh, the temptation to make a critical negative agreement that then shapes who he is as a person going forward. And that I think is why it's so important that we have an awareness about our wounds and the agreements that they make. Because when you um, you know, we're all going to get wounded. As I said, we're all exposed to the brokenness in this world, but it's where we take the hurt that determines whether the agreements we make will be of God or not of God and will be uh, life-threatening, you know, for us or uh, life-restoring and eventually life-fulfilling. And so I think that is just such a huge, huge thing. And so, you know, these things might seem like minuscule little events, Um but I think that honestly, they, you know, they show that um, the devil can get in, in little quote unquote minuscule events. The devil can, can seize that as an opportunity. Um, and so I think it is so important that we realize this because when we realize this, we have the choice where we can decide, are we going to partner with what we see? And in those moments, what we see is hurt and brokenness and the wound. We see, we see and we feel the pain. Or are we going to turn to the word and we are, are we going to partner with what we don't see? And what we don't see is who God is and what God says and what God is trying to do uh, in our lives. And so I think um, we can enter into these situations. And, and let me just give you an example of partnering with God on what he sees. And, and again, this can be very hard for a six, seven, eight-year-old to do um, because they're six, seven, and eight years old, and they just don't have the life experience or life context. But as as we, in, as adults, I think it's so important for us to look back 
and see maybe where some of these things have entered and affected our lives, because then we can go and we can break those agreements that we've made and that we've potentially built really uh, on a faulty foundation. We never want to build on the foundation of a wrong agreement, an agreement that is not um, of God, not from God. So I would say, and again, it's easy to pick on myself. um, So I would say something like this. I absolutely love riding my motorcycle, um, but I don't, my motorcycle does not define me. Okay. Jesus Christ defines me. My, uh, I don't place my hope. I, I live in Erie, Pennsylvania. So if I was placing my hope for a good day or a good week, um, in being on a motorcycle about six months of the year, I'd be in a bad place. Right. Um, because it's, it's in the garage under a tarp right now. Um, but for me, I think it's more, you know, I would say my hope for a good day or a good week is not found in that machine, but it's found in the identity that Christ gave me. So maybe what is it for you? What things do you think maybe what lesser hopes have you been trying to anchor your soul to? And, and what agreements have you, have you been trying to build on that honestly are just faulty? They will leave you, um, frustrated. They will leave you um, disappointed. And ultimately, I think we need to remember that uh, we are God's sons and God's daughters, and it's who he says we are that matters most. And if this sounds cliche, I would just point to examples where when you hear, um, you know, maybe famous athletes, um, famous quarterbacks, whatever, say, famous basketball players say, yeah, but I mean, this doesn't define me. It's my identity in Christ that defines me. I think what you're really hearing them say is, I'm not going to uh, be too up or too down based on how my team is playing or how my career is going right now. I'm going to base, uh, I'm going to live in the agreement that what God says about me is what is most important. Because ultimately, uh those things will fade, you know, a professional sports athlete's career will come to an end. Uh, my time on a motorcycle is not guaranteed forever. There might come a season in my life where I don't own one. There might come a season in my life where I age out of being able to operate one. So, you know, if my identity is in that, I'm putting all my hope in the wrong place. I'm anchoring my soul to a much less stable anchor than the certainty of my salvation and my identity in Jesus Christ. So I think that is really the key thing to understand when it comes to this idea of the wound. Um, another thing, and and this really can kind of get down the rabbit trail here, but another thing that uh, you will often see happen if you really study into this and, and dig into it is most of the time, the wound that comes against us is in our area of gifting. So whatever unique gifting God put inside of you, that's what the enemy actually wants to come after. He wants to thwart that before it gets out uh, and gains any momentum at all. I think a perfect example is my son is gifted with absolutely uh, a social butterfly gifting that I don't have. Uh, He definitely didn't get that from me. Frankly, he didn't even get that from his mother. It is literally just a unique gifting uh, that it, he is more social than uh, Aaron or myself ever have been. Um, and and so I think when you see a potential try to come against him 
a wound, try to be uh, striked is the, I guess the word there in that exact place. I think it's because it's the enemy trying to thwart the impact he can make as a very social person. Uh, and of course I will pray against that. I will parent against that. I will pastor against that. Um, and I am very grateful for even seeing this simple little, uh, example, but I think, um, you know, you will see that happen for, for me, it might be in my leadership ability. Maybe the enemy will try to come against my ability as a leader. Um, and, and maybe if that's where God has given me a, a specific, uh, or unique gift where I feel like I'm, I'm wired to be a leader, uh, maybe the enemy will come against that. Um, and so anyways, I think we all could probably, uh, benefit from looking back on this thing, just some, uh, let me finish that thought and then I'll give you some uh, some practical things from the word that can help in processing this. I think we all can benefit from looking back on our own lives and trying to interpret where have I been wounded? Where, uh, what is my unique gifting and in what ways has the enemy tried to come against that specific thing to thwart momentum? Um, I would also say that that can be hard to do alone. So maybe get your spouse involved or maybe get your pastor or a close friend involved or someone in your small group. Uh, but I think that is very, very important. And then what I would say from the word that I think is so encouraging and so um, what we need when we come into awareness of the wound and the agreements that can be built from that wound is honestly right out of Matthew 7, uh, verse seven, and this is from the message translation, but you're familiar with the passage. It's ask and the door will be opened unto you. Knock and the door will be opened un unto you. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given unto you. But the way Eugene Peterson translated it says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game that we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake? on his plate. As bad as you are as humans, you wouldn't even think of such a thing. You are decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? And I think it is just this encouragement that, you know, even as a, as good a dad as I try to be and as broken as a dad as I still am in all my striving, I still want what's best for my kids. Hence the entire using this story to try to show you what I'm learning as a dad, but also how it can apply to our lives. Even in my striving as a father uh, and falling short, I'm still going to do everything I can to try to come through. If that's true of me, and if that's true of you as a parent, if you're a parent, then why would we not believe that about our God who is only good and who, uh, who just desires good things for us and who desires for us to make those critical positive agreements. That's truly what we're after here is those agreements that we can build on that are a firm foundation. Okay. That is what, um, that is what we're after. So anyways, I hope that that encourages you next podcast. I'm actually going to have Don Fisher on as a guest and he, Pastor Don is going to talk with us about forgiveness. And I think forgiveness is a huge piece of dealing with the wound. Cause when you become aware of the wound, and when you become aware of the agreements you've built based on the wound, the next step to get freedom to break those agreements is to go back to those places in your life and to find forgiveness for whoever came against you with those wounds. You can forgive the people who have wounded you in those places. And when you do that, you find so much freedom. And when you have freedom, you can live 
absolutely free. So I hope this has helped you today. We'll catch you next time on the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. I'm so excited to have Pastor Don with us to talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness.